0: Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Rooftop Podcast, where we are really focusing right now on the voices related to the Afghanistan issue uh, as an extension of Operation Pineapple Express, uh, the book, and, and, and going deeper on these conversations since mainstream media and so much of the political realm, even the military realm, is not talking about Afghanistan not talking about what happened, not talking about what's happening now, and not talking about what could happen, uh, as it pertains to national security, as it pertains to global security, as it pertains to human rights, uh, just a whole uh, our reputation as partners, a whole range of things. And so, what we're doing at Rooftop is really reaching out to the prominent voices who who led. Uh, who led effectively in Afghanistan before the collapse and who are still leading now. And today is no exception. Uh, we, and, and rather than read his bio, I'm just going to give you a few highlights of, of this man and I'm going to let him tell you about himself and we're going to jump right into the conversation. Uh, but we have general Habatullah al Uh, if you served in or around Afghanistan in the special operations community, he's a man that, that needs no introduction. Uh, general, I was just reading over, um, in show prep the number of articles that were written uh toward the end of the war and there was one in particular that struck me about two daredevil generals who were taking the fight to the taliban you and general Sami sadat uh who i've also had on the podcast recently and it strikes me that both of you are still in the game still leading uh but you were obviously the commander of uh of the afghan national army special operations command among many other things, Chief of the Armed Forces. And what I love about the way that you led towards the end of the collapse was there was such a reluctance for you to move up to the policy strategy level. You wanted to stay in the fight. Um, and, you know, I think it just it, it really speaks to your character and, and how you led at the end. But I just I want to welcome you to the Rooftop Podcast. And uh, I want to thank you for all that you've done for, for both Afghanistan and the United States up to this point. Thank you, Scott thanks for this uh, opportunity yeah it means a lot so would you mind telling us a little bit about yourself general and um, how you just a little bit maybe about your background your childhood how how you came to be uh, in the in the us or in the afghan military and 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 move into the positions that you did and then maybe kind of take us up to where you uh, you know those 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 months leading up to Uh, the collapse of uh, Afghanistan and kind of what was going through your mind at that point? Sure. So
1: I I was uh, born in uh, Helmand, Mm -hmm. uh, south of Afghanistan. um, uh, And then I was raised in Kabul. I did my school and studies mostly in Kabul and uh, then attended the Afghan National Police Academy. And I was a cadet there for three years and then became a police officer, a law enforcement officers, officer till, uh, since uh, the end of 2008. And then, uh, till 2015, I was uh, uh, working in different parts of Afghanistan, including West Iraq, North Mazar Sharif, South uh, uh, Paktia, Kabul, and uh, uh, Kandahar as well. So, uh, in in this time, after this, I I had. Uh, Opportunity to attend the UK Staff College uh, 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 and uh, uh, t- mid 2015 to mid 2016, and then once I got back to Afghanistan, I uh, joined the India's National Directorate of Security, and I became the the uh, uh, deputy director of India's at the Afghan Joint Special Operations uh, Command or JSOC at that time. It was not a command at that time. That was a coordination center at that time. It was newly established. So we were one of the, uh, the, uh, I was one of those who who established this JSOC and then uh, made it a JSOC with with a very, very comprehensive team I had with me and working with me. We're, We're very great people and officers and in two, uh, i was uh, in india till end of 2018 and then in 2019 i joined uh, i joined the uh, ministry of defense I have, my first assignment there was as the director of military operations or you can call it g3 of the army and then in 2020, uh, January 2020, I became the uh, 29 Corps, Shaheen Corps commander in the north of Afghanistan. And then in January 2021, I became uh, the uh, Afghan National Army Special Operation uh, Corps commander. And on uh, 11 August, uh, I, I was assigned as
0: the uh, last chief of general staff for the Afghan army. Okay, thank you for that. I appreciate it, and and thanks for that um, run up there, General. One of the things maybe we could jump into is that I I feel like a lot of people in the United States, you know, we did not do a good job of communicating to the American people what was really happening in Afghanistan as the Afghan military as the Afghan police uh, started to stand up uh, on its own and conduct operations. Um, when you think about the last five years. Uh, leading up to the collapse in Kabul and your experience with the Afghan National Army, the Afghan security forces, particularly the Afghan Special Operations Forces. And you hear things said today, like the Afghans were not willing to fight. They they didn't fight when Kabul collapsed or, you know, they make comparisons to Ukraine and the resistance that's going there. What What, what do you say to that when you think about the 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 experiences that you had in combat with Afghan security forces? What would you say to people who say that?
1: Uh, Scott, I I don't want to uh, uh, ignore or underestimate Afghan problems and Afghan uh, issues and Afghan mistakes. But of course, mistakes were from both sides, uh, especially post 2015 or 14, when all the, uh, uh, international forces left Afghanistan, except 12,000 uh, stayed in Afghanistan. So it it's, it uh, it 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 is not specified to post 2015, but it comes from very long time uh, before that. Uh, in 2014, when the U- international forces uh, and U.S. forces uh, all they left their bases, the Afghan national army was tasked to uh, occupy those bases which were built and spent on, which was un- unnecessary at that time. That spread the forces and they became small targets for the enemy. They, they cut the supply routes, routes around uh, uh, lines of communication and then it affected the cycles, uh, the training cycles, leave cycles and operational cycles. The We we could, uh, we, we were not able to uh, uh, cover them all with the specific air assets we had and specific means and tactics uh, uh, equipment we had. So it, it became very hard and hard and harder. So yeah. uh, after to, 2015, uh, we, uh, uh, when, when I came back from UK and I joined India, I was involved for uh, with all uh, Afghan uh, uh, soft community plus uh, US soft community. So uh, I, uh, I could say this, uh, Afghan soft community was undefe- undefeatable uh, uh they, but there were some 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 uh, points that they made uh, uh they were made in the leadership of MOD, and th- those uh forces were being uh used uh, most of the time against their policies uh means uh, they were uh, uh, they were being used for for those operations that could operations that could be uh, uh, uh that could have uh, uh, been done by the uh, ordinary army or 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 uh, uh, national army or uh, afghan national police but whenever they was a pressure they would send the commandos and special forces and they would stay there for months and then they were uh, the, the the deer uh, even their uh, uh, operational cycles would be affected but uh, uh, regarding the fight i uh, i i don't have anything else to say except uh, if we were not fighting if the afghan national forces were not fighting uh, uh, then uh, around 90 000 soldiers how they were killed uh were they killed in a in a uh in, in, in by themselves or it was uh the result of fa- uh, fighting uh why right. why we lost uh we uh, uh, and a hand, more than a hundred more than 150000 soldiers uh, were wounded in action they were in fight they were not uh, uh, just and uh, for their own purposes and uh, for their own deals and businesses it was for to defend the nation to defend the country but when when uh, your friends and your partners and your allies are starting talks to the taliban and to your enemy to the terrorists what what's the message for you and from another side uh, you you uh, all the equipment are 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 being uh, just uh, the uh, the the supply uh, stops. Uh, the uh, 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 air force doesn't get the missiles on its time. The air force uh, aircrafts, uh, the Black Hawks, doesn't get fixed on its time, and uh, you you don't let us. Uh, to to just uh, 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 find another way to to make these things happen. So uh, uh, I think we we did fight uh, till uh, it was possible, and we we still have not given up. We need to now fix some other issues that we are here, and all our brothers are left behind. But it's not the end of war. It it may it may continue for quite a long time.
0: Yeah, I really appreciate that, Ron. General, and, and I just want to call out. I, I appreciate the candor, the fact that you, you the first thing out of your mouth was that you didn't want to diminish the the shortfalls and mistakes of 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 the Afghan army, the leadership there also, and and certainly uh, more than our share of shortfalls and missteps with the with the NATO forces and and the U.S. military. But you call out some things that are really important. For example, the you know international forces really departing in 2014, and and kind of the end to operation enduring freedom and, and the Afghan forces really taking the lead. And I think a lot, that, that message never really got back to the West the way it should have uh, 90,000 Afghans killed in action, 150,000 wounded. And as you said, how could that even be the case if they weren't fighting uh, until the end? And, and then the other comments that you made, again, I just want to call them out for our listeners to consider as we think about lessons learned and where we go from here and certainly accountability of senior leaders but but the general talked about the base footprint of how this this really an approach a western way of war that we tried to just lay as a uh as a template onto the conditions in afghanistan general that you've you've clearly articulated just were not sound and realistic the, the base footprint that you all had to cover down on that affected the, the local cycles uh that you had the the heavy contractor reliance that there was on aircraft, munitions, repairs, and all of the contractors being removed uh, in in June. General Sadat talked about how that crippled his air power. Um, And just the, you know, just the the over-reliance on, you know, kind of Western doctrine there. So I I think it's really important to call those things out because there were things that happened at a a very high level leading up to this um, that contributed. Um, so let me, let me ask you this rather than, than, than jumping into, the, the, is there anything around the fall of Kabul um, and the collapse and that period of time with, with the non combatant evacuation and, and, like you said, our brothers left behind? Is there anything about that that you feel like is not being talked about or needs to be talked about that the American people need to hear? And this, this podcast is going to go to a lot of people. What would you say about that period of collapse and, in my assessment, abandonment, um, that has not been said loud enough?
1: Scott, uh, one more thing before coming to this point I want to add. uh, is uh, uh, I want to ask the audience and those who who have uh, spent their lives in military and combat— is uh, 15 or 16 years enough to establish an army and then get them to a maturity point that they should defend a country like Afghanistan fighting against 22 international terrorist organizations under an umbrella of Taliban, the leaders of the the, uh, uh, terrorists and uh, with a number of more than 60,000 fighters at least uh, came from the intelligence sources to all of us. So so it was not easy uh second thing uh, uh yeah uh, about the fall uh, the things could be prevented i i can tell you people are not talking in june uh, when i was the chief uh, the commander of uh, special operations I, I i just drafted a plan Uh, of consolidation uh, from all those places that we couldn't defeat because our forces were so spread thin uh, into uh, more than 90 spots in Afghanistan. And every every 24 hours, we were fighting against terrorists in those areas. And if you go back to the May, uh, uh, month of May, uh, the uh, the entire international community's expectation was that uh, the, the Taliban would take over two to five provinces, but they couldn't. And then after the 5th or 10th of May, which was a Ramadan, I still remember it was a Ramadan. And then the Taliban uh, 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 last offensive on 1st of May, when they uh, tried to take over Lashkar Gah, they attempted to take over my district of Kandahar and many more districts. They were failed. Then they they started to change their approach. They started sending uh, uh, tribal elders to the checkpoint Points and to, to the small bases and some f- very far districts like Kaisar and Faryab, which is further north of Afghanistan, or we can do call it a doorway of, uh, uh, of uh, the north of Afghanistan. So that's, uh, that changed. And, and uh, 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 unfortunately, the politicians had to control this, that they, they didn't want or they, they did not do this. But uh, 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 beside all these things, uh, in June, I, I drafted a plan with my team at Anasoc because we we knew that the the, uh, the 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 entire weight of this fight is already on our shoulders, and it it's going to be more and more on our shoulders. So how we can cope with this? How can we uh, still uh, stay in in, uh, in 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 form? So we uh, the plan was a consolidation plan, and we sent this plan to to the uh, leadership, to the MOD leadership, to the NSC level, and over all the way to the to the president. And I did share a copy of this plan with uh, Admiral Visley, a two-star admiral, who who just took over the responsibility in Afghanistan from General Scott Miller. So I shared this uh, with them, and we didn't uh, we we I knew uh, my team knew that 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 we can't uh, resist in all over Afghanistan. In 90 spots or maybe 120, 30 spots, the the fight was uh, spreading. And the last days we were in, 140 or 30 spots. We were fighting, so we didn't have enough men to fight that uh, war. But still, uh, we 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 can, we were considering we are successful, but the 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 just the review of that plan took more than a month in in the NSC level and strategic decision making level. So uh, uh, means uh, no one uh, cared in the meantime when the president of afghanistan at that time president ghani was traveling to us i i i, I just uh, suggested uh, some uh, new and update and advanced equipment from them because the the air force and uh, the commandos were doing a brilliant job together we were so coordinated we were doing everything together uh, plus a special mission wing that was Uh, directly working for me. So we came up with a plan that, okay, we need some drones, we need some uh, uh, updated uh, uh, weapon systems, we need some uh, UAVs, we need some a more thermal system into our weapons, and we need some technology to just help find the IEDs on the roads. So we will once we uh, consolidate to five positions in mazar i Sharif, Herat, Kandahar, Kabul, and Nangrahar, Jalalabad, and connect, uh, keep them connected to the uh, to the borders with the uh, neighboring countries to just keep the supply coming for the people of Afghanistan and for us as well. Uh, so we will be we will have an upper hand but no one listened to us. No one gave us those equipment. I just got with my fighting for six, seven months to just ask for the UAVs. I wanted to put those UAVs with mortars because, because we didn't have enough A-29s to fly over all 90 spots 24-7 and provide the support for the forces to, to, to just uh, uh, stop the advance or Taliban or push them back. So we we had to change, uh, bring changes into the tactics, but no one listened to us. i just got five or seven uavs for some advisors special operation advisors they were working and advising me uh, and a colonel a lieutenant colonel was in charge of that and i i can only thank him to give uh, that he gave me those equipment but no one else gave us and no one was listening to us yeah. and no one is talking about this that we did ask we said okay if u.s is leaving still fair Because we understand the politics inside U.S., there is a pressure and uh, uh, anything they have in their. But please equip us, because this is twenty-two organizations of terrorists. It's not easy to fight them in a way. uh, We have these equipment post uh, before two thousand fourteen. There were uh, 150,000 coalition and international forces, including American forces. And there were uh, uh, dozens of aircraft, the the ISRs, uh, uh, jets and helicopters, Apaches, everything was there. And they were supporting the troops on the ground. And it dramatically dropped off. Uh, after 2014, and then the, uh, between 2014 and 2021, a lot of other things happened, especially 22, uh, 2020 deal. Uh, I, I did listen to General Sami Sadat's podcast with you, and it, it, it's 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 totally right. I confirmed this on 2020, uh, 29th of uh, February, uh, 2020, We when we woke up, there was nothing left. And uh, they were calling, it's a rev- reduction in violence, necessarily while we were making advances we took over uh uh 20 uh 12 uh fallen districts out of 22 fallen districts over the years in 2019 and 2020 f- back from taliban so these right. were all things we were doing and we had an upper hand there
0: yeah it's it's so important general to really i really want to shine a light on what you just said because between you and general sadat's uh commentary on this i think it Ultimately, is going to be foundational for how we, uh, one, for how Americans really get the real story of what was happening over there over the 20-year war and leading up to the collapse. But also to think about, because Afghan, and we're going to talk about this in a second, Afghanistan's future will be inextricably linked to the United States and the West, and and how the United States works with partners in the future. And for citizens to understand this, for leaders to listen to this podcast with some humility, and and, and hopefully an open mind so that we can learn. But but I want to call out a couple of things you said, General, and I'm going to riff for just a second here. Um, But one of the things that you said was really, really important was, how long does it take You know, is 15 years enough time to stand up and advise and develop an army that has the collective proficiency to deal with 22 violent extremist organizations, one of them being the very one that struck America the worst in its history? And as a Green Beret, as someone who has advised foreign armies and partners for most of my adult life, I will tell you that it's not enough time. In any Green Beret that has done this, uh, kind of work probably would agree with that. For example, in Colombia, a lot of Americans don't know. We've been advising the Colombian military for close to 40 years, maybe longer. And when they, we first started with them, they, they lacked the proficiency they needed. We were at their shoulder. And over time, incrementally, they got very good. And, and I would submit that the Afghan Special Operations Forces in particular, as you said, the Special Mission Wing, the Commandos, the Special Forces, they were operating with tremendous proficiency. They were getting the job done. They were keeping the Taliban uh, off, off balance uh, you you were directing the Special Mission Wing and this one two punch with that and the Commandos, but I talk about in my book Operation Pineapple Express. I talk about that trip that President Ghani made, and where you had informed that request with you know look we're willing to do this unilaterally. We understand U.S. boots on the ground are leaving, but could you equip us with these things so that we can lead uh, this effort? And I cited in the book that that President Biden's aides called it a wish list and filled none of it is that accurate
1: yes yes absolutely i so, i heard it back from uh, uh nsa mohib and he told me that i shared this with the nsc uh, uh us nsa and they said this is a uh, like a wish list or hope list and they, they they even didn't respond back once they got back to afghanistan
0: yeah and I want to call out, too, that, that a consolidation plan was put in place, a consolidation plan with Afghans in the lead, shrinking down the footprint in order to hold key terrain so that Afghani- the, the free government of Afghanistan could survive. It took a month to review it, and that's both on Afghan senior leadership side and U.S. senior leadership side as well. And as you said, I mean, it really is hard to make an ar- argument that anyone cared. You know, and 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 so when I look at that and, and the impact that that had that you had to cover down on 130 locations that the review uh, took more than a month, and 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 that your contractor support was just pulled without any warning, without any preparation. I mean, all of these things are strategic indicators of just a lack of concern and frankly, uh, a political, uh, political decisions being made in a vacuum, and senior military and diplomatic leaders staying silent. And is there anything else on this before we move into the collapse and the fall that we haven't covered? Because I do, I think it's really important, not for us, you know, assigning blame, but for getting to accountability and figuring out what went wrong, because I do believe that partnership is going to be in our future, and, and we've got to We've got to learn some lessons here. Is there anything that we didn't cover on this general that, that you feel like is really important to put out there? I
1: think uh, we are good till this point, but, uh, but there is no doubt that the, uh, uh, there were problems in Afghan side, Afghan politics, and Afghan uh, 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 National Defense Security Forces, old leadership or previous leadership since 2002 uh, and 2004. Uh, all the way to end of 2018 and uh, 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 start of 19 uh, uh, but uh, you know uh, US was giving full support at the time where they had no young generation that was the investment of last 20 years uh, till uh, 2017 and 18. when we grow grew up, uh, and we we came to the positions that now we can fix these problems uh, at least in a in a good way, and we can be more effective in in uh, Afghanistan fighting these uh, global terrorism there. And one one more point, I, I, I want to add that we were not only defending our country, we were defending the entire world from terrorists. You can yeah. well, I, I can I can, I can uh, clearly say if we were in Kabul, Could al-Zawahiri come to a green zone and stay there? The the deputy of Osama bin Laden who who just hit the, uh, the, 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 the buildings in New York in 2001? No, never. That was not possible. So we were the investment. The young generation was the investment of the last 20 years of blood and treasure. But We came all the way up to the positions that now we could fix some problems and U.S. left us.
0: Yeah, I think that's so well said, General. And it, it breaks my heart as I hear you say it. But I I, I want to echo what you've said. And I know so many um, Gold Star family members have called me so many of my friends who I fought with in, in 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 the war. You know, when all of this happened, they said, you know, what was it all for? What was the point? Why did we why did we lose our youth? Why did I lose my friend? Why did I lose my son? And, you know, these questions just lingered in the air. But but For me, I have to say, as I listen to you, and I listen to General Sadat, and I listen to some of the civil society leaders uh, that sat on the stage with you at the Global Friends of of Afghanistan conference, and I hear the courage in their voice, and I hear their commitment to continuing to resist and struggle, it strikes me that... It absolutely was an investment in in the youth of that country to 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 see what is possible. Uh, yes, for their lives, but also that this that what you and your peers did and 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 could potentially do again is the ultimate antibody to the most violent extremists, the most dangerous violent extremists in the world it is 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 a is local resilience. Local stability and local security willing to take a stand against violent extremism. And that was a 20-year investment of blood and treasure that was really starting to emerge and manifest itself very effectively. Now it would have taken more time and more work, but, but what's the trade-off now? What are we looking at now that we have abandoned that capability? Now, could you talk about what is al-Qaeda and these other groups doing? And what do you think is the potential cost of letting them do it without uh, a free Afghanistan standing between them and the West?
1: Yeah, so current situation uh, is is very dire in Afghanistan, Uh, not only Al-Qaeda, there is Daesh, there are are branches of Al-Qaeda. Some of my friends were calling me and they were congratulating me uh, that uh, Al-Zawahiri is hit. I said, yeah, Al-Zawahiri is hit, but the new generation of Al-Qaeda is there. Uh, Osama's son Abdullah bin Laden is there, Abdurrahman al-Maghribi, the son-in-law of al-Zawahiri is there. There are some other uh, Middle Eastern uh, former special forces and intelligence community guys who have already uh, joined the Al-Qaeda. They are there, and the worst than that is Al Qaeda is now to, uh, now working uh, uh, now working with uh, Iranians, uh, uh, being supported by Iranians, and Iranians are being supported by Russians. And their aim is not just have control over Afghanistan, but of course they are going. They are threatening the Indian region. The AQIS team that they are they are uh, doing uh, uh, threatening the Indians to to. to to join the future alliance between the uh, Russian, Chinese and some other uh, states there in that region. That that are all, uh, 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 except India, all of uh, others are against US and Western interest and also against the Afghan uh, interest and Afghan people. So they are there, Daesh is expanding every day. Their numbers are in thousands now. However, we were able together with our U.S. brothers in arms at that time, especially after 2015 to 2019 and 20. uh, I I remember Darza Valley when the Daesh uh, was established there and they got some positions and some some uh, areas under their control. And I was one of the. The, the, the first uh, uh, operators when I was in India, and we went there and operated against Kari Hikmatullah in 2017 and 18, and we, we got put an end to them. And in the east of Afghanistan, the same way, we, we were working and fighting together against this phenomena, but now they are raising back. And there are twenty, 20 or nineteen more uh, terrorist organizations, including Ansarola of Tajikistan, that are uh, supplying uh, uh, drugs and uh, uh, cocaine and morphine from Afghanistan to to uh, to the uh, uh, Central Asian countries and to Russia. And uh, 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 the, uh, the Hakani's and Daesh and TTPs they are working. In the meantime, uh, the same. Uh, uh, narco-traffic from east of Afghanistan to Pakistan and to Indian region. And this, the Helmand Taliban, uh, which I call southwestern Taliban, who are tied to um, Mansour's group in the in helmand they are tied with al-qaeda and they're doing the same traffic from iran to the western world and middle east so that's that's the the, the very bad situation in afghanistan and these al-qaeda's and these terrorists are getting more money more income from these resources in the meantime Uh, Uranium is in Afghanistan. Lithium is in Afghanistan. Lithium is going to be the very uh, 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 competitive uh, 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 rare earth mineral in the next 10 years especially 2030, when the world will be facing a revolution from gas and fuel to the battery. Uh, so that will be another problem uh, that the Al-Qaeda and the terrorists will get hands on that. Just imagine this time if a threat is happening to the world, uh, Western world, especially U.S., because the enmity with the with the uh, terrorists is not ended yet. They, they will take their revenge uh, uh, about all, all the damage the US and entire community, uh, uh, international community, especially wor- Western world did to, to, to the terrorists in the last 20 years or 21 years. So just imagine the, that the, 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 the uranium is there, the new generation of Al Qaeda is there and they are getting hands on uh, on some very educated Uh, They are recruiting some very educated uh, young uh, terrorists to their uh, to their movement and one day they will blow up a uh, 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 uranium made or a uh, nuclear uh, uh, waste uh, suicide waste somewhere in the western world how will that how horrible that will look so everything has to be considered pakistanis are helping them iranians are helping them pakistanis are not friends with us anymore uh, com- uh, uh, compared to uh, uh, post 2001 they have right. their new interests in that region. They are tied economically, and, or, or I can say, relied economically on Chinese right now. They have given a route to Chinese to be connected to the warm waters, and they want to connect them to the Middle East. And then the Russians were had a dream in the last 50 or 100 years to be connected to the warm waters or to the Indian region. And Pakistan is giving uh, uh, enabling them to have that route uh, to be connected to the warm waters so these are all those complex regional uh, uh, games going on there i can say and they want to put pressure on indians to to join them and that will be more horrible in the future if they that alliance become as a power there and they would have their own currency to fight the dollars and u.s currency and then the u.s economics in a broader way and all the u.s uh, friends uh, might Might be lost uh, because there's, I can see, there is a very uh, 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 dire uh, 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 insecurity, a trust insecurity between US partners in that region uh, and US here because everybody is thinking if Afghanistan was abandoned what will happen to Saudi Arabia, what will happen to India, what will happen to South Korea and other countries. So these uh, these countries are also looking for other options, I'm sure. So we need to take uh, some some very prompt and very decisive actions as soon as possible before it gets too late, and then we respond to different fronts. uh, It's still early.
0: Yeah, so th- that's just a great rundown, General. And I just want to call out a couple of things that I heard. And, and again, I hope our listeners are, are leaning into this. Is is first of all, is this collusion collaboration that you alluded to between uh, state and non-state actors. I mean, that is to me, is a convergence. That is the devil's cocktail right there. It, you know, it is 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 a convergence of Iranian and Al-Qaeda, uh, Taliban facilitation and hosting and that Iranian effort even fueled by uh, both Russian and Pakistan nefarious activity, and then even India potentially leaning into this mix. I mean, anyone who has even a rudimentary understanding of geopolitical issues like that, because of the state and non-state actors, it gives such a terrible set of consequences to regional instability, which of course affects, look at what's happening in Ukraine and how it's affect our supply chain. Imagine, you know, that 10X with what we're talking about here unchecked. And then don't forget about the Al Qaeda, the ISIS uh, narrative of bringing unmitigated violence to the apostate regimes as they see them of the Middle East, of Southeast Asia, and, and certainly the West and the United States. And they've proven this, like there's precedent for this. And we're starting to see um, a reemergence, as you talked about, a new generation, Bin Laden sons there, Zarqawi's sons there, a, a, a growing capability of just unfettered safe haven. And, and for us, just 20 years coming out of 9-11 to not even be talking about this. Can you speak to what is your assessment of the U.S. government concern on this? Are people, because I mean, you clearly have a very good network because most of your force was, was left behind. So they're there. Uh, Can you speak briefly to the confidence in your information that you just provided? And what is the, what is the awareness and concern from the West, particularly the United States leadership right now? Are you hearing anything? I mean, are you having these conversations and I'm not asking you to divulge anything Uh, sensitive, but I mean, is there a concern there, or are we just talking about this on a podcast?
1: Yes, so we we are still connected. The only achievement I have with my team, with my brothers, with the generals, I'm connected still with. with The only achievements we have, we are still connected to the ground, and more than 200,000 soldiers and officers are still left behind in Afghanistan, and they are in in, in the villages, they are everywhere. So we, we, we. Uh, not only that, we are connected to the people on the ground, and we, we get information. Uh, and they are seeing things, and they are sending us this information. So I am quite confident about these things. The another thing about U.S. government there's I, I see two, la- two layers in U.S. government one is the layer that are not the decision makers but they are concerned they are technical people they understand this they we we are talking to them I did talk to them I had some meetings with them and in, in DC and still those meetings are going on they are really concerned with the situation but they're not the decision makers the decision makers and the policy makers uh, uh, uh we 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 still want to knock on their doors and let them know that okay this is going on are you going to take it seriously but they don't care because they are so much busy with ukraine stuff and they have forgotten if chinese invade Taiwan and Afghanistan stays the same thing, and Al Qaeda grows up. It will be a very uh, a horrible nightmare for the U.S. security. And uh, yeah. this, this sound and this uh, voice has to be supported uh, uh, to 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 reach to their ears and to 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 take them to the point that they could uh, make some decisions at least. Uh, have an alternative uh, for, for the situation if they face in next one year or two years if, if something happens horrible. So currently, they are not working, they are not thinking, the decision makers, I mean, they are on any alternatives uh, uh, of Taliban and uh, terrorists in, in Afghanistan. Uh, so I think that's that's
0: the, the worst I, I have ever uh, seen. Okay, I really appreciate that, and 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 I, I, it confirms what I talked about in my book. And I and I hope that listeners will really dial into this. That you know, if there was governmental concern on this of what we're talking about, and hopefully this strikes you as you know alarming. Uh, certainly, General Alizai and General Sadat would would be able to speak to that because they they're very very tied into it, and there really has not been any substantive outreach by either policymakers or decision makers. Only the folks in the trenches who have lived this, who have spent 20 years of their life or more uh, dealing with this, and they see this devil's cocktail brewing together again. And what a what a terrible, inexcusable, you know, post 9-11 part two testimony that's going to be. Um, and I think without an active, without an informed citizenry, who is we go into these midterms and as we go into, uh, an opportunity to address politically what the United States does on this. Here's what I would say to you: This is not a Republican issue. This is not a Democrat issue. This is an American issue. This is a global issue. Um, if you, you know, if you're quick to say, "Hey, the Biden administration owns this botched withdrawal," yes, they do. But I will tell you something: You heard General, uh, you heard General Alizai talk about the negotiations that went on directly with the Taliban and excluded the Afghan senior leadership and the military, and marginalized them and set this whole thing up. That was under the Trump administration. And I think as citizens and what we stand for on this podcast in Rooftop Nation is we don't just plant our flag next to a senior leader because they're our guy or they're our girl, right? If decisions were made, if policy decisions were made that are wrong, they're wrong. And we need to step back and have the intellectual honesty to look at that and demand change, people in office put people in positions of command who are going to do the right thing and and look at the problem as the problem and not through a partisan lens that is frankly putting this nation the west and and certainly you know uh afghanistan at, a, at an unacceptable level of risk so um let me ask you this general. we only have about 15 minutes left and i, I would be I would fail you if I did not, and I think our listeners, if I did not get to this point. There was um, uh, an, an article that was written shortly after the collapse, and I know you know the one I'm talking about, and it was an article where uh, it showed you sitting on the side of the street um, in a in a state that I could only imagine. I, I can't even imagine uh, what you must have been feeling, uh, and and I'm not even going to try to pretend that I know. Um, but. But it really, to me, as a, as a person who served multiple tours in Afghanistan, as a special operator, um, and, and someone who loves his brothers very, very much, it really broke my heart to see that. And I have friends here, commandos that I'm sponsoring in the United States, and I see that same look. I see that same look in our special operators. And there, there were so many of our community Afghan partners that were left behind, and, I, and I'm speaking because I worked directly with them, the Afghan special operators. I was wondering if maybe you could talk a little bit about what's going on with that. What's happening to first our partners in Afghanistan? What are they going through right now? And then also maybe you could talk about what our partners here in the United States and other countries are going through as they try to transition to this new country, because I think we need to be aware of both. So, yeah, uh,
1: first of all, that picture, I, I, at that day, I was uh, in those days, I was getting several calls and messages from all our brothers left behind, and they were asking, and they were, asking me very tough questions about what will be their future, and I didn't have any answers for them. So I was so much down at that day, and I know I don't know how, how someone took that picture and uploaded that. But in the meantime, uh, this is a reality that all of our brothers are, are left behind. 60% uh, 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 of, of the, of the uh, uh, Afghan uh, forces, including everyone, are are still doing nothing. 10% has joined the uh, Taliban. uh, uh, These are technical people that they have joined the Taliban and Taliban have recruited them. Mm -hmm. And around uh, 10% of them are in Iran already, including soft community commandos and special forces, and then the, around five percent of them inside Afghanistan has joined resistances, different resistances, and there are some, some, some uh, uh, reports and some information that the, uh, some of them might have uh, already joined ISIS as well, which is another horrible uh, uh, situation. And then the rest of them have spread to the Western world, to US, to Australia, to Europe, to UK, everywhere. So uh, including Pakistan and Tajikistan. So uh, this is their situation. But the worst thing is when our soldiers, especially uh, not only special forces, but other some other ANA soldiers and officers as well, when they uh, were in, in Iran a few months back and they were going to ec- uh, extend their visas, And they were uh, 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 reaching out to those offices, those uh, immigration offices, uh, the the immigration officers would tell them that, okay, we would extend your visas on one condition, if you go to fight in Yemen against the the Western uh, world. Uh, for, for for the iranian mission there so that these are all are very h- horrible and and uh, uh, uh worse situations and these are striking me striking me uh, that uh, uh, okay those people who were trained for the last 15 or 20 years by inter, uh, us uh, special forces us uh, 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 elite forces and us uh, officers and now they uh, how will that look if they join terrorists? How will that look if they join the, the, the uh, those states that are already against the U.S. interests uh, for, for quite a long time? So that's, that's the horrible situation there. And I, I'm sure we can't uh, uh, evacuate all these uh, couple hundred thousand soldiers plus their families to U.S. or to other countries. But what should be the solution for the future? and uh, if leaving them in this situation also making bigger problems if you think that we should bring them all to us and to the world it's also i don't think it's a it's it's possible because taliban will not allow this They, they they are they have their own agendas out of this so this is a complex situation but i think we have some
0: solutions for the future and for these soldiers who are left behind can you talk about some of these solutions, General? Because I know when I interviewed General Sadat, he seemed pretty clear about the, similar to what you said, and I think you're right. I, there's no way that we can evacuate um, you know, over 100,000 uh, warfighters and their families I, at the rate that the, this is going with the SIVs, and, and, and those warfighters are not eligible for SIVs. I think the most at-risk commandos, special forces, special mission wing, uh, certainly need to be afforded opportunities. I think there's a, a huge need for humanitarian support that excludes negotiating with the Taliban uh, that's needed. But, but I'm just wondering, when General Sadat talked, uh, he talked about the, uh, the, the resistance and, and what the future of Afghanistan looks like. I know that came up some at the Global Friends of Afghanistan conference. What, is, what, what do you think? What does the future look like Uh, as we consider, uh, Afghans, certainly the ones who experienced 20 years of relative freedom and education, I, I, I suspect that this will manifest, but, but how do you see this playing out and how do, how do we avoid, how does Afghanistan avoid another ethnic civil war that was just devastating? Um, what do you think? How does this, how does this go?
1: Yeah, internally Afghanistan is a very uh, is in a very uh, 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 dire situation. I can say again, that it's it's going to be a civil war if we don't fix the problems now, inside Afghanistan, and it will lead Afghanistan to a split uh, between north and south and cetera uh, Afghanistan. But there are some ways, as you uh, earlier mentioned, Scott, that uh, there is no. Uh, Republican, there's no Democrat, it's about USA, it's about America. So uh, I, I I have the same feeling for my country, that there should not be, when it comes to, uh, to the Afghans, it should not be Northern Alliance, Taliban, or anybody else or us. It should be Afghanistan first. So the solution I see based on the background, based on last four years or 50 years that Afghanistan was always in a fight and every government that was coming with fight and power, it would have a resistance against them so if we are going with a peace negotiation first to have to give the a sense to the afghan people and international community that we really want to fix this problem with negotiations and talks now it's too late that we say we don't want to talk to the terrorists because u.s already started talking to them and they are working with them so now we should also push for, for sometime that we, we should give a sense to the Afghan people that our first option is not a fight because they are all tired. Afghan people are tired of fighting in last half a century. But still if 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 those those uh uh, uh, talks and those negotiations doesn't work, then the fight will be much easier from uh, for us from all aspects. Uh, if you look at that from Afghan aspect, it will be easier. No one will blame us that you chose the fight first. And from international community that they are also saying that fight is not the solution for Afghanistan. And they are true at some extent. Well, they they will be also not telling us that you chose the fight first. But, but for both of these courses of action, we need to make a formation. I mentioned this in the Global Friends of Afghanistan conference as well. That formation has not, uh, uh, that, that has to be a third, third party who should be national, who should act nationally. There should not be any Tajiks, Uzbeks, Hazaras, Pashtun. There should be just Afghans and that party could be raised from former Afghan national defense and security forces because they are national and they acted nationally for the last 20 years. I remember the guy, the the the, the soldiers from Panjshir were being killed in, against the terrorists in Helmand. I remember a, 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 a guy from a, a soldier from, from Nangrahar or Paktia would be killed in Faria against a terrorist group. I, I'm from south of Afghanistan, but I I thought. I, I the terrorists for quite a long time in the north of Afghanistan. So this third third party or third uh, formation has to come to bring both sides and all sides together. And I think this is in this complex and in this uh, difficult situation, the only address is uh, to rely on is those who are national who are really national not pretending they are really national they they have they've, they've uh, uh, given blood uh, to the uh, to, to defend their country and uh, the global uh, uh, context so uh, i think uh, a formation should come and we 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 are right now working with all our friends to bring these Uh, Sites together, especially the armed forces, make them firm and at least stay connected with those who are left behind. And there are some other ways that I don't want to mention uh, that are supporting this effort that that are supported supportive efforts that i may talk to you after this because it's I, I don't see it it's the time to to say everything very openly but there are some other uh, uh, tic- tactical and technical means that could make us successful for the future. And as an alternative, if we are going to fight as well, you need to have these soldiers and these NDSF together to, 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 to just response if, if the, the, the Al-Qaeda becomes uh, a physical uh, threat to the international community. And one last thing I want to add is, Currently, we are seeing a lot of people pretending and acting that they are defending Afghanistan, which is in some points, I don't have a doubt, but what are they offering? Is it a new thing or they are relying all or on the old or former army members? If yeah. you look at all the resistances, they are relying on us. If you look at all other sides, they are relying on us. They don't have anything new to, to uh, offer for the Afghan people. Uh, they, they, so it means why should we, again, uh, follow those tribal leaders who brought Afghanistan to such a failure. Why should an organization not be established to to have a strategy and policies for next 100 years of Afghanistan and US relationship? The the unfortunate point uh, over the last four years or especially in our uh, history was always Afghans were relying on individuals or on some specific tribes this is not the time to to rely on individuals or on specific tribes this is the time to rely on such national organizations to uh, have a system established for the future of afghanistan and then solve all the ethnic tribal and and other minorities uh, problems in afghanistan for next 100 years and become a very reliable partner uh, at the end of the day for us to 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 just uh, help them uh, at least if if they can't counter the total thing to stop them to disrupt the the enemies of us in that region
0: yeah i love that really really strong general and and, and i just would say that, for our listeners, you know, this is going to be the long game. Uh, Just because we're done with Al-Qaeda and the Taliban does not mean that they're done with us. There is a global charter and manifesto that they're following, uh, as well as state actors and that country uh, that we spent 20 years in, we are inextricably linked to them. And it's in our best interest to lean into that and figure out what does it look like for a strong, resilient Afghanistan to stand on its own as as a local antibody to violent extremism and bad actors, and and what does that mean, and what role uh, should we play in that? Now, General, I'll just close with this because I know you have to go. I will tell you that you need to know this, and I hope that your brothers know this: is that there are a range of volunteer organizations who served with you, mostly veterans now, who uh, you know our time in the fight has come to an end, but our time with you has not, and and we are you know we are with you, we are at your shoulder. There's a group called Moral Compass. That consists of my, by my last count, eighteen uh, volunteer groups of former special operators who are, you know, raising hundreds of thousands of dollars and supporting thousands, if not tens of thousands, of Afghan special operators and their families and other at risk. And we're not going to stop. We're not going to. We're not going to go away. Uh, we're going to continue to, to to do whatever we can to support you and and your efforts to and and the Afghan people's efforts to stand on their own again. And, and to try to right this moral wrong of abandonment. So I'll give you the last word. Uh, and I'd also invite people to go to operelief.org if you want to help out. Uh, it's a relief organizations and proceeds go straight to Afghans in duress, both in Afghanistan and here It's part of its Operation Pineapple Express Relief. Uh, we'd love any amount helps, but I'll leave the last word to you, General. Uh, what would you like to say to the American people listening to this, to any politicians listening to this that we haven't talked about and that you'd like to leave them thinking about? Uh,
1: my last word will be, uh, Think, uh, help us to help yourselves in the next uh, long run of 50 or 100 years And uh, any organization or any individual who will be willing to help us financially, politically, technically, to bring us together, form this party as the alternative for the Afghan and U.S. future relationship in the next 50 to 100 years, that will be highly appreciated. And that's a need. That's a very big need that right now we are looking for
0: and and, uh, uh, uh,
1: just help us with this. Thank you. Absolutely.
0: General, you and I are joined at the hip and you always have a voice here. You always have this platform. I hope that you'll come back and we'll continue to grow this. We're going to push this around the country and uh, you and I will pull up in a separate call. But I know you need to go. And I just on behalf of, of all of our listeners and our volunteers, thank you for what you've done and continue to do for Afghanistan and the United States. Thank you, brother.